Inside the Gamecocks Podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you, along with Tony Morrell, the GCF. Thank you for tuning in today and listening to this podcast. And just want to tell all you Gamecocks out there that um, I know it's been tough, but appreciate you guys following along and staying the course. And it certainly should be interesting to see uh, what ultimately happens uh, moving forward here for the next couple of weeks. Tony, uh Disappointing loss to Appalachian State. And I know that they're a good football team. I know all that. Uh, but I didn't expect to see what I saw on Saturday night. And I know you wrote about it on thebigspur.com. Gamecocks hold them to 202 yards of total offense, one offensive touchdown. Yet they fall. I mean, if you'd have told me that's how it would have gone down, I'd have said Carolina would have won the game going away. And Gamecocks couldn't run the football. Um, it was a dumpster fire on offense. Saturday night, and the result of the game obviously was bad. Uh, you just don't lose to Sun Belt teams if you're an SEC team and you're legit. I think not that it hadn't happened because it has happened some this year, of course. But uh, I just uh, it was just kind of a, a, another low point that I think this team and this program has hit this season, and it's just kind of the same show, same movie we watch uh, every week. Uh, maybe different parts of the team, uh, just catastrophic breakdown after catastrophic breakdown. So um, I don't know what to make of it uh, in terms of the exact reasons why. Uh, I just know it kind of is what it is. Your thoughts on, on that loss to App State, which I never thought I'd see again in my lifetime. Of course, I've seen two Citadel losses in my lifetime, but, uh, heck, that's just uh, that's tough. Yeah, I – basically wrote what you just said in my post-game thoughts that if he'd have told me before the game that South Carolina would give up 202 yards of total offense and, and 13 points, uh, I would have told you that South Carolina would, would win the game going away. Um, you know, the Gamecocks have been able to run the ball on just about every opponent this year. They've been a pretty good running football team, been inconsistent throwing it, uh, but there was really no sign coming into this game that, that South Carolina would not be able to run it. And and not only could they not run it, I mean, they were, you know, basically averaged right at one yard a carry for the game. And, of course, that takes sacks into, into a, a account, but still it was a brutal offense performance. Uh, when it came to the running game, the offensive line got no push. Uh, there was no creativity in the running game. They ran the same play over and over up the middle between the hashes and uh, just seemed to be running into seven- and eight-man fronts, and there were multiple defenders waiting on the running back every time he got to the hole, and it just was brutal to watch. And, and I think really sort of summed up the lack of creativity that South Carolina has had on offense this year and the lack of cohesiveness they've had with their offensive system. It's just been a, a mishmash of plays the entire year, and nothing seems to go together, and nothing seems to set up the next play. It just It's just – Seems like Brian McClendon, the offensive coordinator at times, is just, well, let's try this, let's try this, let's try that, and not really a, a lot of, of reasoning behind it. So, uh, and, and there's just never a sign that South Carolina is attacking a weakness in, in the opposing defense. And, and I think that's something that, that obviously has to change. And, and then the offense continues to struggle in the red zone again, something that's been a theme all year long. And, and until they can change that, they're not going to beat anybody uh, of any quality without being able to score touchdowns in the red zone. You know, creativity in the run game, and, and Will Muschamp mentioned this earlier this week, and I, I don't know why we're still talking about this. Um, 
we've we've talked about this since 2017 when Kurt Roper was the offensive coordinator. We've talked about lack of creativity in the running game. Um, we've talked about it on the Big Spur. Uh, I've talked about it. You've talked about it. Will Muschamp has talked about it. Other coaches that watch the Gamecocks have talked about it. It's game 11 of, of, of 2019, and we're still talking about it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand, you know, why there isn't more of an effort to go. And I, I, I get I, – I think I've got my finger on why. I, th- I think this whole offense is RPO reliant. Um, and I think once you get past that and with a freshman quarterback, that gets tougher. Um, once you get past that, it's just like there's no there's – no, Muschamp mentioned there's no second pitch. Well, there's no second pitch in the entire offense. It's just if the RPOs aren't rolling and, and the pin and pull thing, which is a little bit of what they've done in the run game that's been effective, and App State did a great job trying to shut that down, there's just no counter. And even some of the worst offensive coordinators out there, have, that's kind of play calling 101 in my opinion. And so I just, I just don't understand why we're still talking about it. I, 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 you know, running it right up the middle is not a recipe for victory against anybody – you know, especially when App State, credit Ted Roof, who's a veteran defensive coordinator, who's had mixed results, and he's yet another veteran defensive coordinator with mixed results that hands Brian McClendon his lunch. Um, okay, this is Ted Roof we're talking about here. And a great game plan designed by him, and there was no counter. I, I just, Tony, I don't understand why this is still an issue. We, you know, Will Muschamp, when he was hired, talked about the offense being dynamic, talked about what he'd learned from Gus Malzahn. You know, Gus Malzahn's masterful calling run plays. You know, I mean, they're very good at that. That's If Auburn's not running it, they're, I mean, they kind of get shut down. They're, they're kind of passing is kind of where they – so, so the, it doesn't seem like there was any learning. <laughs> I mean, it's just the same old, same old. And I, I, I just, honest to God, think they'd be better off lining it up and getting in the I formation and, and running it up the middle because at least then you have more blockers and a chance. I mean, I, I just – I was stunned because I thought – maybe Helensky struggles. He's been up and down at times with his accuracy and injuries at receiver and stuff. But for the life of me, I thought they'd run the ball pretty well this time around. And, and you know, it was just four quarters of, 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 of awful, four quarters of awful, and, and they end up losing. Yeah, it was four quarters of running into a brick wall, essentially. And, you know, to me, I don't think it takes a genius to look at it from a defensive perspective and understand that it makes life much easier on a defense if your running plays are all essentially between the hash marks. Uh, it, it creates a much smaller field for them to defend. And, you know, one of the things Gus Malzahn does so well with his running game is he uses every inch of the field from, you know, sideline to sideline to set up his running game. And uh, I I just don't really understand the approach South Carolina is taking right now, uh, especially, like you said, to have no answer. It's one thing for a team to to find weaknesses on film and to to scheme it and and to take certain things away that you know you want to do. But you have to have an alternative. You have to have other types of plays you can go to and ways to counter what the defense is doing. And there was just no sign that Brian McClendon had any answer for what Appalachian State was doing to him defensively in the running game. 
and uh, and I know part of it was you know Brian Edwards misses most of the first half with, with the, the aggravated knee injury. There's no Shy Smith. There's no Ortray Smith. You know, some for some reason they felt like going to a redshirt freshman walk-on at slot receiver was the best answer. You get Chad Terrell out there at receiver, who's basically hasn't played at all this year outside of Charleston Southern. Uh, it just that didn't make any sense either. You know, if, if you're having a hard time running it to to go with receivers who are no threat essentially. Uh, that the that Appalachian State had to have no respect for, uh, it just made it that much tougher to run the football. And I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what he was thinking with the game plan. And I definitely don't understand what he was thinking uh, with the, the lack of adjustments over the course of the game. Yeah, I mean, Zach Willis, who used to coach at Newberry, he's on um, a radio show in the state of South Carolina. And I, I rarely listen to interviews like this, but uh, I actually listened to it. And he, he made a good point um, about even the passing game. He said South Carolina was throwing slant after slant after slant. Uh, and we all know what a sluggo is. That's kind of – if you've ever played Madden, uh, you know, on Xbox, you know what a sluggo is, slant and go. Um and he said he kept waiting for the Gamecocks to run that, run that, run that, because he's like, hey, it's a touchdown if you do it. And it never happened. And I, I, so, so even the passing game, you know, I, I get it. You know, you're, you're kind of shorthanded, but, heck, Xavier Leggett's probably a better athlete than a lot of their defensive backs. And, you know, I, I, I just – and if he's wide open, he's wide open. If that guy bites on the slant, you know, you just go deep and, and Helensky obviously can throw it in there. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I think that – and this kind of brings me to the next topic, you know, kind of the future. I think at the very least there, there has to be changes on offense again. Uh, and that's sad, uh, I think, in a lot of ways. I, I think that when you kind of look at Brian McClendon, they, they had some good offensive games last year, kind of digging into it. I'm convinced that those were those were RPO heavy. Um. And you had a junior quarterback that could go out there and read it. I mean, I think for as much as Jake Bentley's gotten some criticism, you know, there's something to be said for the way the offense sort of looked when he was on and making reads and, you know, things like that last year. And that's just hard to do, I think, with a true freshman. And then if you don't have a good play caller on the sidelines, you're going to struggle. Uh, so I think, you know, as, as we kind of get into the, the must-champ future conversation, I think that's a minimum. It's going to have to happen. Is that there? There has to be a new plan on offense. Uh, you're the University of South Carolina. You're already paying McClendon a million a year. You can go a little higher than that. And, and, and Tony, I think there's some good guys out there. If that's the path they want to take, um, I think there are some guys out there that could come in if Muschamp hands them the offense uh, and lets them go with it. That could, could probably turn it around. Um, you know, they're going to lose some personnel next year, obviously. Uh, has got to get better if he's the guy, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that some of the struggles on offense can be blamed on personnel, but not a lot. I think a lot of it's been coaching this year, unfortunately, and, and that could, should signify the need to make a change. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think if, if you're looking at things objectively, uh, just take your, you know, anyone who who is a fan, take that out, and you look at the numbers offensively. You look at the decline in the numbers offensively from last year to this year, um, and and the fact that it happened with an improved running game. You know, South Carolina has been a better running team this year, 
And and conventional wisdom would would tell you that if, if they're they're a better running team, they should be a better passing team. That should make play calling easier on an offensive coordinator if you're able to run the ball the way they have been this year. They're not a, a super running team, but they're certainly better than last year. And the combination of Dowdle and Feaster has been a, a nice one-two punch. Uh, it's been a good run-blocking offensive line for the most part, with the exception of, of Saturday night. And, um, you know, it's just it's been a, a, a puzzling thing to watch with South Carolina this year. You would also think, just from a, a, a practical standpoint, that, that McClendon would be more comfortable in year two than he was in year one as a play caller. But yet somehow it, it just seems like he's – confused and and constantly you know almost fighting himself with his play calls and and uh, just it has rarely been something that looked like it was you know where one play is building on another and he's building momentum and you can see him getting more comfortable and finding ways to attack the defense it just it just hasn't been evident this year as you watch them play yeah I would tend to agree I I, I just go I kind of go back to you know last year I, I you know, you take the Clemson game out of it, and, and, I mean, you can't just ignore that performance. But you look at the, the fourth quarter against Florida. From that point on, you've had a couple of times where you look at the offense and go, hey, they're kind of on to something here, and that would be Clemson. And then maybe the Bama game where they moved it up and down the field. Um, I think we're kind of seeing that Bama's susceptible, though, to certain types of offenses. Um, but then you go and, and, you know, you follow up a good perform- promising performance against Bama at Missouri where your inability to manage the offense or call the plays, you know, cost your team two touchdowns and really cost you the game. Um, and then you go kind of to a ground attack against Kentucky. And then, you know, you, you go to Georgia and it's kind of the same thing, though I thought some of the passing plays when Holinsky was in was good. You play defensive ball and then – you come back the next week and, you know, things are looking good. And, and then once again, Florida comes back on you. And, and you stall because you don't make adjustments. And, and I think that's a big, big issue is adjustments. Uh, Muschamp mentioned second pitch. That's applicable to the entire offense. Um, it's just uh, it's just bad right now. So, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Like I said, it's kind of – You, go, you go, go back to the Clemson game last year – and that was an instance where Brian McClendon and the offensive coaches found weaknesses in one of the best defenses in the country. They, were, they had weaknesses down the field at safety. He knew that, that Brent Venables likes to, to make his play call as, as late as possible, so he's going to go hurry up. He's going to take that away from them. He's going to catch them off balance, catch them with some guys out of position. And it was a great performance from him and from his players to execute his play calls and his game plan. But there isn't a single game I could point to this year where you could say, all right, he found weaknesses in their defense and he's going after it and they don't have an answer for it. Or if, if something's working early in the game and the defense that he's facing takes it away, you, you, you don't see the adjustment that he's making to counter that. And, and, that's one of, and, and I hate to always reference the Steve Spurrier era because it certainly was not a perfect – era when it came to offense either there were some ugly performances offensively when Steve Spurrier was there but when he was at his best when he was focused as a play caller and as a game planner he knew what he wanted to attack coming into a game he knew where the weaknesses were in the defense and he wasn't scared to continue to go at it and go at it and go at it and 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 make you show you could you could fix your weakness and I just don't see that it just feels like 
McClendon calls plays regardless of what the defense is doing, not based on what the defense is doing. He's just trying to find something that will work. And, 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 that, and that's me watching the game from the stands and, and on TV at times. So I, I can't say I know that to be the case, but that's just the way it feels as I watch him call plays and as I watch their offense perform. It just – there's no continuity and, and you just you, – you can't understand the reasoning behind some of the play calls. And, uh, and I just – I hate it for him if he does end up getting fired. But I think he's a good guy. He's a good recruiter. The players love him. Um, but he, he just – it all comes down to performance. It's a performance-based business, and the numbers have not been there. And, you know, he, he's had some obstacles from a personnel standpoint at times, but I don't think he's done a good enough job to overcome those. Yeah, and, you know, it's, 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 he's a first-time guy too. And you, you do have two play callers on the staff. With Warner and, and Bentley, and and I guarantee if Steve Spurrier were coaching this team, there'd be a new offensive play caller. It would probably be Steve Spurrier, but you know what, Spurrier would make adjustments like that midseason. You know, I remember the 2005 team, and uh, the defense under John Thompson was struggling. You know, the, the stand-up defense, I guess. Well, then he replaced him with Knicks, and, that, and the defense got better. And you know that happens sometimes when you know the rotation of of play callers on offense would happen. And I think, I think Will Muschamp, you know, I, people want to call him stubborn, I think, because he comes across as stubborn. But, I mean, you know, I know Dan Werner at this point in his career doesn't want to call plays, but it's it's an emergency situation. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Bobby Bentley's called plays uh, his whole career. Um, you know, Thomas Brown was an offensive coordinator, did not call many plays at Miami. But, I just, you know, it's concerning uh, to me in terms of um, sort of how, how this has all unfolded because it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And just to be honest, App State was just inexcusable. I mean, you know, it, it, you're not talking about a defensive juggernaut there. You're talking about a team that has good players, that was confident, and you got outcoached completely on that side of the ball. I mean, it just uh, – it's just tough. Well, so the Muschamp thing, the bigger picture, and I know you've reported some stuff this week from your sources, and I've been hearing some things from mine, and, you know, I, we'll just kind of compare notes here. I, I believe at this point that Ray Tanner is leaning toward retaining Will Muschamp for next season, regardless – not regardless of what happens the next two weeks, but – I. I think, you know, from based on the, the feel I get from talking to people that, um, you know, there's going to be some staff changes mandated and things like that. I do think the buyout is somewhat of an issue. But I think that there's also this hope that miraculously they'll win one of these next two games or upset Clemson or whatever. I don't see it happening. Uh, I, I think there's some of the let the season play out. Uh, that's taking place in terms of Tanner's thinking. As far as the other leadership of the university goes, I think there's all sorts of opinions right now. <laughs> and from a lot of people and a lot of different places of influence, and, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to think about some of the other stuff I've heard. But but I think right now, if you if you if you put a you know put me put my feet to the fire in terms of what would happen if the season ended today, I do think Muschamp will be back. Not saying I agree with it completely, but um, that's kind of what I'm hearing. 
Yeah, I've heard similar things. Uh, you know, I think that, that Ray Tanner would like to be able to give Will Muschamp one more year to try to get things back on the right track and to, and to show he can be the, the long-term answer at South Carolina. I think he, you know, like I, I wrote on the site this week, I, I think there was a, at least an unwritten agreement that, that he would get five years would, would sort of be the minimum. It was a five-year rebuild that would give him the opportunity to get all of his own players in, uh, to, to have his recruiting, having, uh, you know, taken hold and, and uh, player development, all the things that, that he promised when he was named the head coach. Um, and, and just based on where the program was when he was hired, that it, it was a, a, at least a five-year rebuild. And I think Tanner would like to give him that, uh, at least give him that fifth year. I, I think the, the potential obstacle is, you know, what happens if this becomes – Ray Tanner against Will Muschamp in the sense that, uh, you know, one of them has to go. And I, I don't think Ray Tanner is willing to hang himself to give Will Muschamp an additional year. Uh, I think if, 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 there, if, if Tanner is, is retained and is willing to, you know, knows he's going to get another year too, then I think he might be more inclined to do it. Uh, but if, if, if somehow he gets the impression that, that you know, he, he could get fired and Muschamp could be retained, and then it becomes a different scenario, and who knows what might happen. I think regardless, I think this is headed to into a, uh, a political chess game from a lot of different perspectives, from the hmm. board's perspective, and you're going to have factions inside the board uh, that want to do one thing, another faction that wants to do another. You're going to have Will Muschamp and his agent. You're going to have Ray Tanner and his agent. You're going to have big money boosters. Uh, who want change or are going to push a certain agenda. And I, I just, my fear is that the university is going to end up embarrassing itself with, with some of the things that could transpire over the next you know, few weeks if they're not careful, if they allow it to get out of control politically. Uh, I think the, the board has, has been at the root of a lot of problems at South Carolina for a long time in some ways with, with different agendas that are being pushed and, and uh, it, it could get ugly uh, if they're not careful. And there's, there's been some embarrassing coaching searches in the past at South Carolina. And I don't think we're too far down the road where it couldn't happen again. If, if uh, the right people don't take control and, and make sure things don't get out of hand. But I, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of posturing going on. And, and, you know, if South Carolina ends up four and eight, they, if they get beat handily this year, excuse me, this week against A&M, they get beat handily by Clemson and there's, 30, 40 plus thousand Clemson fans in Williams Bryce, and they take over that stadium in the second half because the Gamecock fans are leaving. And, you know, the pressure could end up becoming so great on, on uh, the powers that be that, that they end up, you know, firing both of them in the end, both being Muschamp and Tanner. But, um, but it's going to be interesting. And, of course, you've got the new president, Robert Castlin, who's a wild card. I don't know how much power he's going to have in this scenario. Uh, you know, technically he reports to the board, but, you know, if he is given power, I, I think he's going to want to try to do what he believes is best for the, for the, not only the football program, but for the athletic department and the university as a whole going forward. And I think he's someone who understands how important football is to your overall brand as a university, how much it can help applications from outside the state, uh, you know, what it can do for you as a whole. Uh, if you have a quality football program in a conference like the SEC, when that's the, the conference your school is a part of. So um, there's a, 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 going to be a lot of different spheres of influence uh, on this thing, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and here's my – this is my opinion, and I, I think the board 
I don't think it's ever positive when the board of trustees members, you know, four of them, five of them give an interview about a buyout. Um, it should be a blanket no comment because you don't want to even talk in public about buying out your coach right now. Um, regardless, because if you keep Muschamp, you know, this is going to this is gonna hurt. You know, the fact that you're discussing it, you know, other schools are going to look at it and go, he'd be gone if they didn't owe him all that money. And, you know, are they really committed to winning? I mean, there's just so, so many questions that can be raised when you have your board members who, who – and it wasn't even a blanket statement. It was almost like these guys were sitting around at home, and I guess it was Ben from the state calls them up and asks them questions. They're like, oh, yeah, here's my opinion on it. Um, and that was, I think there was some posturing involved there. I do know that there's some people that weren't quoted in that that are affiliated with the board that, you know, have some other ideas about change. Um, I'm going to say this. Those of you that want Ray Tanner gone tomorrow – and that are you know, and that are either a willing to let a new AD come in and hire a coach, or b keep Muschamp another year, and that's your answer to all the problems. Be careful what you wish for. I understand the criticism of Ray Tanner. I understand the PR aspect of it. He's not good at PR. He's not like uh, people are mentioning Danny White from the University of Central Florida. Ray Tanner's not going to go and claim they're the national champions and. And, and trying to get a state resolution passed. And, you know, all, and when White was at Buffalo, he tried to rename it the University of New York. I mean, that's not Ray Tanner. But the athletics department financially and facilities-wise and sports that people don't care about, let's just call it like it is, you know, and I do think they're going to have a good men's basketball team this year. I think they're off to a good start. But um, the athletic department's not in bad shape. And okay, you want to you want to get rid of Ray because you don't like him because you're you know pissed off because you got to wait in line for a hot dog fifteen more minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Get I, I understand that fan experience and PR are part of it, but don't do it right. That's not going to solve anything right now. South Carolina has a football problem. Now the path forward in football, you can do one of two things: you can either fire Will Muschamp or you can keep him, um, and 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 force some changes on him. Um, I, I, I tend to lean toward, it's been four years. We've had eight years of, of his coaching that we've seen. And some of the same stuff keeps happening over and over again, whether that's injuries, poor offense, unexplained breakdowns on defense and special teams, um, personnel use, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there, there's still some issues there. I like the guy. I advocated for the guy. I thought through the first 27 games against power five opponents, he overachieved at South Carolina. But this is not a hire. And if Ray Tanner did promise Will Muschamp five years, regardless of what happens, then that's wrong too. Because this is not Yeah, a, I don't think it was regardless of what happens promise. But, but I just think in general there was an understanding that it was probably a five-year rebuild. Sure. I think Muschamp felt like he didn't get enough time at Florida. He only got three down there. And I think with his next opportunity, he wanted to ensure that he was going to get the time required to rebuild the program. So I don't want to paint the picture that Tanner made a promise that I don't know that he did. But Absolutely, just, that yeah. Was, that was the talk. That was the talk at the time that he would he would be given at least five years to make this thing right. Yeah, and I, and I, and I totally get that. I, and, and look, I, I when I hear five year rebuild, I think five years and they're going to get it back to, you know, right nine to eleven wins. Not well in year five, they hope to get back to the Independence Bowl. 
Exactly. The rebuild's not going very well if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. You know, it, it, you go backward and you look around the SEC, not many of these situations when you have a catastrophic season, I mean, not many of these guys survive. I mean, look at Florida, look at Tennessee, look at Arkansas. Um, and you want to avoid being Arkansas in this situation, but uh, I, I don't think South Carolina will be. Here's another point. I think that unlike 2015, Tony, when – you basically had one coach at a group of five school that everybody kind of wanted. That was Tom Herman. And then you had an assistant like Kirby Smart. There wasn't a pool of guys out there that South Carolina could just say, hey, go get. I thought Muschamp was a good hire because they needed to get somebody in that could recruit and kind of rebuild the infrastructure. And I think he's done that. But you look around now, and, and there are a lot of potential candidates for the job to where I would be stunned – if Ray Tanner screwed it up. Um, I don't know that I would want to take my chances on a new athletic director that does not understand South Carolina that comes in and doesn't really, you know, just goes and hires a hot name because I think sometimes that can blow up in your face. Um, I get that people are like, you know, it's a results business. You're right. You know, hey, he hired Muschamp, he hired Holbrook, Kingston went 8-22 and in the SEC last year in baseball. This guy doesn't need to make another – I understand all that. But I also – when you look at the landscape, you look at who could potentially be interested in the job and, and who who are some guys that are without a doubt good fits, there's a whole lot more of those this time around. And, and a lot of these guys aren't like sitting there waiting for Texas to come open or LSU or, or wherever. You know, South Carolina would be a tremendous opportunity for them. Um, you're kind of in a, in a period now where – you know, after Muschamp and Orgeron and those guys were hired, you know, you had coaches like P.J. Fleck and Matt Campbell go to Minnesota and Iowa State. You know, South Carolina is a wonderful opportunity. They're, and if they were in the SEC West, I would say just don't make any changes and pray. <laughs> but South Carolina's not. They're still the SEC East, um, still a job with great facilities, new facilities. The fans will give a guy time. Um, I think it's tough for fans to give Muschamp time because they watched him for four years at Florida. And and that's still, right or wrong, that's getting held against him. And But you have to know that when you hire him. And that's why I said that, you know, five years, yes, if things are going in the right direction. And I think that was the hope. Will Muschamp works as hard as anybody. He's really good with infrastructure, a plan to build the roster, a plan for player development, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, what, that's what the program needed at the time. Now – it's time to win. And, and, and if he can't win, I think you got to go get a guy that can. And I think that they could. And, and that's just my point with, with Tanner. You know, firing Ray Tanner right now and keeping Will Muschamp it, it, it is not going to solve – it's not going to be a, a magic bullet for problems. You know, you don't even know that the new AD – maybe the new AD comes in with a different philosophy, like an Eric Hyman-style philosophy where he's not going to pay assistant coaches. You know, people got to think about that. Ray Tanner pays – obviously pay, probably pays too much for what they're getting, but he's paid to sit market value for assistance. Anything the football program's needed, he's given to them. Um, a new guy may not do that. Um, and so people have to kind of understand that, that that's – you want to change ADs, fine. I'm, I'm there with you. You want to do it, I get it. It's been kind of a bad period. You know, burn it all down, go in a new direction. But there's time to do that. I think decisions in football, they have to be made here in the next 17, 18 days. 
And, and so that's my thing with that. And, you know, hopefully – Hopefully, either the Gamecocks will have Will Muschamp with a great offensive coordinator next year, or they'll have a new coach. If it were me, and I was making the decision, if these two next games go like I believe they will, and you never know, you know, if if, if it goes well, then obviously that's a different conversation. I'm cutting bait because the offseason is, no matter who he hires on his staff, is going to be awful. Um, You're going to have trouble in recruiting. I, th- I think they'll probably lose some recruits from this class. Um, and then if it's not any better next year, which there's nothing that says it will be based on a four-year track record at South Carolina and a four-year track record at Florida, um, you know, you, you, the, the statistics say that chances are you're going to have a team with a lot of injuries that struggles on offense, that has catastrophic breakdowns on, on, on defense and special teams at inopportune times, and, and you know, loses games. And can't, you know, doesn't, is not consistent. One step forward, two steps back on the field with this program since, you know, for a long time now. But if you do do that, you know, that, that's fine. I think that, uh, you know, I've said on the site many times, there's many paths forward. Some are more difficult than others. Um, but if it, if it holds to form and Muschamp struggles next year, then you're almost three recruiting classes behind. And the new guy's going to have to, Get, he's going to have to be get five years to build. You know, so that's just me. Um, I kind of decided recently, because I always have a philosophy where you know, hate to hate for anybody to lose their job, and, and that's true. But, you know, these days, Tony, if, if you make $5 million a year and your buyout's twenty, dollars <laughs> you know, you're not throwing, not throwing you out on the street or anything, you know. So it's, 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 it's a results-oriented business, and um, – and like I said, I'm not calling for that necessarily. I'm just saying if these next two games go south, like I believe they will, I would lean towards change. I hope it doesn't happen. Hope they play really well the next two weeks. Um, you know, because they're good, good, good guys and good people. You know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, recruiting. Uh, South Carolina actually got a commitment in the midst of all this. Um, really liked his dad in Good Times and Coming to America. Uh, Rashad Amos from uh, Sandy Creek High School in Tyrone, Georgia. Pretty good running back, Tony. I like the fact that he's taller and he's got really good feet. Yeah, he's really impressive on film. You know, 6'1", 210, uh, good speed for that size, can stick his foot in the ground and make guys miss, runs through contact, uh, you know, really good balance, catches the ball well in the backfield. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that you watch on film as a senior and you – you're amazed that he didn't have more offers than he did when he made his initial commitment over the summer to Western Kentucky. But, you know, South Carolina, Boise State, Tennessee, NC State, some other schools watched his senior film and, and offered him immediately. And the Gamecocks got the jump there and got him on campus and, and uh, he committed to him. So, you know, it, initially I think he was a guy that they, they offered with, uh, you know, if they didn't land Henry Paris, then the name was to be the guy they would go on. But, uh, Amos was ready to make a quick commitment, and they talked about it as a staff and, and decided they were ready to accept it and, and felt like he was good enough to, to bring into the program. So a uh, nice pickup at a you know a, a, an uncertain time right now, uh, but he felt good enough about Thomas Brown and Brian McClendon to, to, to make the commitment, and, um, and I think he's a, a guy who, who has a chance to be a productive player at the next level. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's really good. And, you know, people don't – in the state of Georgia – 
there's a lot of guys like this that kind of rise their senior year, especially a program like he plays at. Um, and there are guys all across the country that uh, – Josh Jacobs, who played at Alabama, um, I think until October of his senior year, he had one offer from like New Mexico State. He's from the state of Oklahoma, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both – no, it, I think it was Tulsa, maybe Tulsa. Um, and then all of a sudden, everybody came in on him, Alabama got him. DJ Williams was committed to App State before going to Auburn in the last class. So, running backs can emerge, and, you know, I, I was very impressed with that. And, and you always need depth at running back, man. I mean, that's kind of extremely important these days because guys do get banged up and – things like that, and I think that, you know, you had to have two along with Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd had some interesting things on social media today in terms of, I don't want to say he came out and reaffirmed his commitment, but he's kind of liking tweets and, you know, backing it up and stuff like that, and sort of the communication was, oh, this season's okay. I don't know. Kids these days on Twitter liable to say one thing one day and then do something totally different the next. But uh, my gut feeling is South Carolina still – projects uh, to hold on to him uh, as far as the recruiting class, provided the staff stays relatively intact. That means head coach and, and running backs coach. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think if, if Muschamp and Thomas Brown are there, uh, I think he, he uh, will likely stick with his commitment to South Carolina. I think if, if not, if Muschamp is fired or if Thomas Brown leaves, uh, I think that opens the door for an Ohio State or, you know, someone like that to, to potentially get him to take an official visit and, and muddy the waters and, and maybe flip him. So, um, but I, I think he's he's close enough with Brown and Muschamp to where, uh, you know, he, he feels like those are the guys he wants to play for and, and has been committed to and, and wants to stick with it. So, uh, I think he, he'll be watching closely to see what happens these next couple of weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so this coming weekend, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night, Texas A&M. Gamecocks have never beaten the Aggies, which um, that's kind, of kind of been the timing of the whole thing. I think if Texas A&M had played those teams from 2010 to 2013, Carolina would probably beat them pretty good. But uh, uh, they've been close. I think A&M is a good team, not a great team. It's out there. That's a loud, big place to play, but it's not always – they don't always play very well at home. A&M sort of an enigma to me. Um, but, you know, South Carolina, if they – you know, if Edwards and Shai Smith are healthy, Helinski's on, you get some better play calling, offensive line blocks a little better, you can move the ball. South Carolina brings its defense, Tony. I don't know that A&M's a juggernaut, and I I tend to think A&M will beat them by about 17. But I can't rule out a Gamecock upset. It's just been kind of that type of year. Yeah, it would be just like South Carolina to come back and, and play really well this week at a time when almost nobody expects it to happen. Um, but the trend is not good for South Carolina right now, particularly offensively, and it, it, it's hard to – imagine them going on the road to A&M and, and having a lot of improvement in, in the, the areas where they're struggling right now offensively. You know, obviously they would have to be much more balanced. They'd have to be able to run it and throw it. Uh, they would need some big plays, and they would need to perform much better in the red zone than really they have all year against a good team. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's gonna, I think it's going to tell a lot about 
Will Muschamp and his coaches and just where they are with this team and, and how much the players are still on board with the coaching staff, mm-hmm. if they can have a good week of practice and go into A&M and, and play well and, and improve and, and give themselves a chance to win the game, then that, that'll tell me a lot. But at the same time, if they go in there and it's the same old, same old, the same weaknesses, the same issues offensively, and they have breakdowns defensively, and it's not a close game in the fourth quarter, then then that's going to tell me something too in the other direction. So uh, it, it's even though I can't call it a big game in terms of, of the ramifications for the season, I think it's a big game in terms of the coaching staff and Will Muschamp and and just the for the the immediate future of the program. So uh, we'll 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 see how we're feeling uh, about. Yeah, eleven, eleven thirty on Saturday night. And and then then you got a this this season. I said this before we started recording. This season has been a grind, man. And then you got another open date after this. Yeah, another open date. So you got to go practice for two weeks for Clemson. And I, I don't know. I, I'll say this about the Clemson game briefly. When you hear teams talking about blowing other teams out. We're going to run up the score. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Many, many times those teams do not end up playing well and it ends up being closer than you would think because they're pressing. They're going haymakers. They get tight if the score is a little tighter. They kind of forget the other team's playing, trying to blow somebody out rather than, you know, just beating them and playing your best. Sometimes it works against you. Um not saying that's going to happen against Clemson, but, you know, some of the, the talk is that they want to hang half a hundred and have more fans of the Gamecocks and all that. Well, that, that has nothing to do with blocking and tackling and Trevor Lawrence throwing an errant pick and, you know, blo- you know stopping the run and, and all that good stuff. So I, I will say that, but it's – I think it's absolutely brutal there's an open date after A&M and before Clemson this year. I, pro- I wouldn't say that if things were a little better, but, man – you, know, you get to sit around and talk about that for two weeks. It's going to be going to be something else. Thank goodness for basketball. All right, be sure to check out Tony Morell's Five Keys to Victory on TheBigSpur.com later this week. I'll be back with the final word in podcast and article form, also on the site. And thank you for listening to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast for Tony. This is JC signing off. Have a great week, everybody.